time for Cigar Talk, the fastest growing cigar show in the nation. Welcome back to Cigar Talk. I'm your host, Rob Jones, and this is a special episode. We're not going to have the regular type show that we have with me and Bryant. Uh, this is a special episode with just one guest. It's going to be a one-on-one interview with myself and Mr. Clock. You're not going to want to miss this. He has done so much in New York for the cigar community, for cigar events, for the political realm of which we all fight to keep our right to enjoy cigars. And so I just wanted to have him on and it's just the interview this time. So anyway, guys, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after a quick little break with Mr. Clock. Hey, guys, thanks for hanging through the break. We have a special guest with us. We have Mathis Clock. Did I get the wrong? I, I think I said your first name wrong. Yeah, you did. It's it's okay. It's Matthias. Matthias. There we go. I you know what? That's why I like Mr. Clock so much better. I, I got that one down. <laughs> a little easier, yeah. Hey, so I we actually we met on uh LinkedIn because I came across your profile and I saw how involved that you were in the cigar industry, the cigar culture, uh the education of cigar smoking. Uh, the community of cigar smoking. Mm-hmm. I mean, dude, you're all star. I didn't know you, but reading over your past and your passion of cigars speaks for itself. And mm-hmm. so we want to welcome you to the show. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks, Rob. It's good to be here, man. We'll appreciate it. And so let's dive in and let's go back because I'm going to tell you, I thought you were older than what you are because you. You're way younger looking than what I thought you were. But anyway, uh, Fair enough. how did you start smoking cigars? What what got you into smoking cigars, and how old were you at the time? Yeah, I well, so I grew up in a fairly anti-smoking community uh, in Oregon, actually, in Hillsborough, Oregon. And I moved to New York City to study political philosophy uh, in 2007. And I had finished up, uh, I had a lot of friends who smoked cigars and I sort of shunned, shunned them a little bit, or at least shunned the cigars. Uh, and, uh, yeah, at the end of my freshman year, I was in my apartment, all of my roommates had moved out for the summer and I had two cardboard boxes that were all packed up and I was just sitting there kind of depressed. And I thought to myself, why, why am I depressed? I just finished my first year of college. I should be celebrating what do people do? And I wasn't old enough to drink at the time. So thought, well, you know, people smoke cigars. So I went across the street, um, on uh, 36th street and sixth Avenue. So like by, I lived by Macy's in Manhattan, uh, when I was going to school in the city and went across the street to a bodega. I got a Dutch master cigar for like a buck Wow! and took it up to the roof of my building and had a 45 minute period of, of Zen. Yeah, you had an experience. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, I'm I'm kind of ADD, you know. My my mind is always jumping between different thoughts and everything, and um, and I just had 45 minutes up there, just kind of thinking about one or two things, and just watching the city go by. Uh, and it was just, I don't know, there was just something special about it. And one of my friends um, worked at uh, Davidoff. Uh, I think Davidoff Madison 
And I told him, I said, Zach, I smoked my first cigar and he got really excited. He was like, oh my gosh, what did you smoke? And I told him, I was like, I don't know, like Dutch, like master something. And he got really upset. He was like, no, like that's not what your cigar experience is going to be. So he, he got like a bunch of limited edition Davidoff and Avo and stuff like that. He gave it to me. I went home for the summer back to Oregon and uh, I lit up an Avo LE 10, which um, it was like, it was like smoking a steak dinner. It was just, it was unbelievable how good it was. And that was it for me. It was like, I have to find a way to do this more. And I didn't have money. I had no money essentially um, at, at the time. And so I started blogging about cigars right away. Cause it, uh, I was like, you know what, if I make a nice enough website, maybe some companies will send me some cigars and you know, <laughs> lo and behold, it worked. Right. I'm not ashamed to admit it. Um, and then from there, you know, over the next 12 years, uh, it's been 12 years since, since then, uh, since I started the website, um, over the next 12 years, it just morphed into all of these different things, you know, whether it's like cigar events doing, uh, you know, we have a team of blind reviewers now, um, for the website, Christian and, uh, Kevin, and, uh, you know, we do events. I do product photography, um, on, on Instagram and, uh, uh, and do, and I do some writing as well. Kind of when, when a topic comes up that I get fired up about, I'll, I'll do some writing. So it's just been a really cool experience. And, um, you know, the moment that I knew I really wanted to kind of keep doing it was when I came back to the city after college and, uh, I went to, uh, Casa de Monte Cristo on second Ave and like 54th street at the time it was called cigar in. And, um, now, I who, was, I was in owned, line. Who owned Cigar Inn? Who was the owner of Cigar Inn at that time? Uh, Billy Bass and Gus. Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. Viva La yeah, Vida yeah, Cigars. Those, those three guys. Yeah. And who are the, the owners of um, Artisano Del Tobacco now? Right, right. They, they produce Viva La Vida. Yeah. yeah. We love um, Viva La Vida Cigars. We've had Billy and Gus on the show. We love those guys. Yeah. They're great, amazing guys. Uh, huge commitment to quality, um, and just some of the friendliest guys. We we were. I was privileged to launch Viva La Vida, like the official launch event in New York City at Carnegie Club. And um, man, when I lit that cigar up with it had the, the sort of white label, it just said pre-release on the band, and I, I think I was with um, with Gus or no, no, it was Billy and. Um, he just watched me as I lit it up, which was a little bit intimidating, but I lit it up and I got that like kind of signature, like AJ spice plus like sweetness plus like espresso. And I was like, dude, this is, yeah, it's good. Yeah. It's really good. And, and, <laughs> and the story behind those guys and the entrepreneurship of an immigrant coming to America, I mean, to me, they're the American dream, and they, they're they right. so focused on giving their consumers the best quality, the best experience. And so that, that when you said smoke in, I was like, oh, that's got to be the, the place. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yes. Uh, cigar in absolute at like epicenter of the cigar culture in the city. And so I spent pretty much 
the rest of my college education, I did a lot of study. You know, I studied there for my classes. I brought a lot of friends and, um, yeah, but, uh, but I, I think for me, it was just seeing the difference between cigar lounge life and like bar life, you know, cause like oh, a bar absolutely. life in the city as a college kid, it's kind of like, there's, there's kind of a basic formula, right? You go to the bar, you have too many drinks you spend too much money and you say things that you didn't want to say. Right. And that's kind of what the thing is. And maybe you make friends that way and maybe you get in fights, like whatever, but the cigar lounge equation is completely different. Right. It's like, yeah, there's, you know, there's spirits involved in drinking diplomatico rum right now, but it's fundamentally about like this, this two hour period of time, this commitment that I have, right. I sit down and I can just look over at the next guy and say, Hey, what are you smoking? And he'll say, Oh, I'm smoking this thing. And we just start a conversation. Maybe I share some of my drink with him. Um, and maybe we bring that other guy who's listening over and we talk and it was just something I had never experienced. And frankly, I think it's, it's, it's just an extremely more so today, you know, it's just a rare experience and it's, it's just crucial in, in my opinion. So that's why I've stuck with it all this time. Well, and for me, I mean, you nailed it right on the head. When I was younger, I didn't smoke cigars. I went to bars. And now that I'm older, I can't stand going to bars. And it's like you take the little bit of good that a bar has to offer, and the cigar lounge is like exploding in all those good things. You know what I mean? (laughs) It's like when you're sitting at a bar – like you said, you may strike up a good conversation or you may end up in a fight <laughs> and you just never know. And I mean, it's, it's just I, people who go to bar and if you go to bars, I'm not knocking you. It's just not for me. And so right. the cigar lounge is just like a, a safe haven. It's yeah. uh, peace and it's conversation with sometimes the most unlikeliest people that you would ever have a conversation with. Yeah, I was. Uh, I, I remember one of the early com- early experiences I had at Cigar Inn. I was uh, I was with some buddies from my school, and we were talking about the UN. And uh, I, I tend to be a little bit more conservative. I was also the president of the debate uh, the debate club at my school for a number of years, and so I had pretty heavy opinions about things. And I remember I was I was kind of trashing the UN. I was like, it's this useless organization that can't get anything done. And this guy behind me with this like Scottish accent, he kind of taps me on the shoulder and he says, Hey, what are you guys talking about? And I tell him, you know, we were talking about the UN and it turns out he was like the ambassador from some country. The UN is just down the street from cigar Inn. he was just sitting there and he was just amused, like hearing these guys talking politics behind him. And so he ended up joining us and giving us kind of this whole lesson on what he does and like things that he's been able to accomplish. And where else are you going to find that? You're just not going to find it anywhere else. I mean, no. Yeah, I, I can't think. I can't really think about it, you know, because like a coffee shop, you're kind of in and you're out or you're in and you're meeting with someone or you're writing or you're working. Right. So there's not really a lot of there's not a lot of social. You know, there. There's not there's not like a social element like there there aren't those opportunities for sort of spontaneity or serendipity or whatever. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's it's special and it's something that needs to be preserved intentionally preserved not just like yeah i'll spend my money at, at 
brick and mortars as opposed to online, but like I'll show up, I'll bring my friends, I'll develop, you know what I mean? Like I'll really invest in it. When, when we are at the lounge and we have a guy come walking in, I mean, every time I'm like, Hey, how's it going? What's your name? Blah, blah, blah. Let's go ahead and hey, have a seat, hang out with us. And it's like, I, I appreciate all the guys that come to the brick and mortars to buy their cigars, but I want you to hang out with us and have right. that experience. That's right. And yeah. so let's, let's, let's go forward. And so I know a little bit about your history, but fill us in. I know you started the fine tobacco, New York city club, or is it New York club? Yeah. 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 Uh, fine tobacco NYC. Yeah. That was, um, so that, that was the name of the blog that I started. Terrible name. I, I regret it to this day, but, you know, whatever. If we could the all go back and change is. everything to what we see now, <laughs> I, I get it. Cigar talk, ah, horrible right. name. <laughs> oh, man, no, I get it. I get it. Um, so, so yeah, I, I had been writing reviews, and, uh, you know, back then it was, it was like cigar forums, right? I mean, it was, it Which was kind of the brutal, old, by the old way. internet. Yeah. And my senior year, I moved downtown to a uh, beautiful high rise property in the financial district, um, entirely fueled by student loans. It was not because I was making (laughs) much money, definitely student loans, but it was a it was a cool opportunity. And um, so I came back from Oregon uh, the summer before my senior year started. And I said, what the hell? I had this amazing rooftop, uh, beautiful views of the entire city. Why don't I just invite the people on the forums, whoever they are, to come over and hang out? And so I I took a picture of the view. I went on to one of the cigar forums and I just said, hey, come smoke on my rooftop. It was sort of late summer, so it was great weather. And I had like 80 people show up. No way. And it got, it got really out of control uh, to the <laughs> point where... I, I almost got evicted because the building, this is like a really high end building and they just random people walking in saying Matthias, Matthias, and, Matthias. And all walks of life. All walks of life. I didn't speak English with a bale of tobacco rolled in and he came up and he just said table. And I rolled up a table for him and he starts rolling, you know, people are having a great time and drinking rum, whatever. Um, and it was, it was a great experience. And at the end of the night, everyone said, well, when's the next one? Right. And I said, give me your email address and we'll figure it out. And that was the beginning of that was the the, the beginning of the events. Um, that's where I met uh, David and Kelvin, who have been who, who are really co-founders of Finance Back NYC on, on the event side. You know, they really they really saw that there was something special. You know, they're they're like grew up in New York City. And they're like, Matthias, this is, this could be really cool. And so we did events in the, you know, and really in the outer boroughs, like Brooklyn, Queens, Bronx. Uh, and they were just free events, just herps, right? Just show up, hang out. And, you know, um, and it got bigger and bigger and bigger. And then there was just a point at which some of the lounges, some of the high end lounges in Manhattan started emailing me and saying, Hey, do you want to try doing an event? over here because you have this big audience and and so we did that and uh and then that grew 
too quickly because it was, it, they were still free events, but we were bringing on cigar sponsors and things like that. And it just got to a point where, you know, we were, we were way over capacity. And so it, the, really the only solution was uh, we have to start charging ticket, you know, tickets for t- ticket prices for these events. Um, and, uh, and, and so we did, and that worked. And, you know, I think we've done 130 events now since wow. 2010, something like that. Yeah. We've done just dozens and dozens of events between the Carnegie club um, Davidoff locations. They've been great to work with, um, uh, merchants cigar bar on the Upper East side, just kind of all over we've done events, but yeah, it's been a, it's been a, a super cool experience. And what a way to meet so many different people in the cigar community. I mean, cause you're like taking it to a whole nother level with that type of events and that many people. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's, there's a cool mixing effect doing events at different parts of the city because different neighborhoods have different demographics. Right. So, um, you know, the Carnegie club, it's in the heart of, of Midtown, uh, across from Carnegie hall, you tend to get like the, the after, the after business, uh, or, or after work crowd. Right. Um, it's kind of considered sort of the, the mad, mad men ask kind of, um, location. And then you've got merchants, which is Upper East side. So you get a lot more like of the locals up there. And, uh, you know, we built a large following in Queens and Brooklyn. So, so the events that we do, it's, it's like a complete smattering of, of all parts of New York and New York is extremely diverse. So it, it is, it's, it's cool. And I think the coolest thing is to see the friendships that have grown over the years. I mean, now like 10 years and a lot of the guys have been coming to these events for all 10 of those years. And there's, there's like groups of friends that I'm not even really a part of, and you know, they've grown on their own and I see them posting on Facebook. Now they're going out to this lounge and hanging out and everything. And so it's, it's, um, it's, it's really gratifying. And, um, and, and it's, you know, when I give my spiel at our events, like basically what I tell people is, thanks for coming. This is fine tobacco NYC. We exist to, uh, you know, um, encourage and support the art and enjoyment of fine tobacco in New York city. Like that's, that's what we're about because, you know, since I've been in New York since 2007, like the cigar culture has been just in this kind of vice grip of all of the increasing regulations, the increasing taxes. Oh, you guys have um, it rough. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's rough. And, you know, COVID was kind of the final straw for, for a few locations. Um, so we've lost a lot of the really classic, um, lounges that, you know, some, some of the, the hole in the wall lounges on the lower East side that could only seat seven people, you know, that were just dream locations, just incredible. And they're basically with the exception of Soho cigar bar, which is a fantastic place. They're, they're gone. They're really gone. Right. And it's mainly the more established places that are, that are still around. So we, we exist to support those places the best that we can and to keep the, the culture alive. Yeah, and being in New York, I mean, you have huge advantages on one side, and then you also have big disadvantages. Sure. One, yeah. excuse me, is the 
the taxation that you guys experience there. I'm in Texas. And so when I have friends that live all over the States and when they hear me complain about the price of a cigar, they're like, shut up, just shut up. Yeah. 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 And and so, but at the same time, being in New York, you have access to a huge amount of people like in the small town of Abilene that I'm in, we don't really have big events like that, you know, But I can promise you every Saturday morning, you will find me and at least four or five other guys that we meet every Saturday morning. And we actually call it the faculty meeting. That way, if anybody hmm. says, hey, what are you doing Saturday? We're like, oh, I'm busy. I have a faculty meeting. <laughs> That's great. I like it. But yeah, yeah. I, I would love to come to New York just because there's so much history. And I mean, just like Nat Sherman closing down. I mean, what a yeah. blow. Now, were you able yeah, to go yeah. to the Nat Sherbin Lounge? Yeah, I mean, I used to work across the street from there, and I spent uh, I spent a lot of time over the years there. And it, it was, you know, it, it was, I still get emails from smokers in New York City that read the sort of farewell article that I wrote uh, to Nat Sherman. Um, and... It's, it's actually a really emotional issue for a lot of New Yorkers. Like it's, you know, when some places close, it's like, man, that's so sad. I'm not going to, I won't see it again. I won't get to smoke there. But Nat Sherman really was kind of the, the kind of epicenter foundation cornerstone of, of what it sort of meant, like what New York cigar culture meant at its best. And so for that to close, um, and, you know, now it's boarded up like the, the townhouse is literally boarded up. I saw a picture of it uh, maybe six weeks ago and and it's up. It's just upsetting, you know, because the, the thing about cigar lounges is they're they're sort of like they're they're these centers of relationships, essentially. Right. Because that's what happens in cigar lounges. People build relationships. And so when a place like Nat Sherman goes away in some sense, like those relationships dissolve, right? Because a lot of the guys that I knew there, I only knew them because I, you know, one or two lunch breaks a week, I would sort of sneak off over there for an hour and I'd smoke a short Padron or whatever. And I, I see the guys and I talk to them and they worked, you know, a little ways away, but when Nat Sherman's gone, right? Like it's, it's, I don't have their contact information. You know what I mean? Like, so those, those, they just go away and, um, and I think that the more that that happens, there's like there's a real price that we pay, you know, not just as cigar smokers, but I think the city kind of pays a price in terms of um, just having a sort of what like just in terms of the culture, the elevated culture of the city. Right. Because, you know, what's going to replace it? It's going to be some jewelry store or it's a Starbucks or no some other kind of bullshit. To the community. Right. 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 So yeah, it's, it's, it's sad. It's sad, but, um, but you know, there, there are good, there are good signs as well. I mean, merchants, merchants, cigar bar, uh, absolutely legendary place that, that was uh, founded in the nineties. It closed in 2016 and I thought that was the end of it. You know, I, I, they turned it into sort of a cocktail lounge and, and then just a year ago, they announced that they were reopening and we're back doing events there. We just did an event a couple of weeks ago with 70 people and 
so there is some good news mixed in, you know, with the bad news, but, uh, but it's just, uh, I would say, I would say the bad news is probably more common than the good news, unfortunately in the city. So, um, yeah. And, that, and and a lot of that's political. And I read some of your articles oh, yeah. about the political landscape, the FDA and, you know, them working directly for Satan. And so I agree with you a hundred percent on that because it's like, they just they don't differentiate cigarettes, fine tobacco, pipe tobacco, cigars, and it's really a disservice. But I was very excited to see that we did get a win in the win column for cigar smokers because they dropped the $98 billion tax bill out of yeah. this big, you know, tremendous money printing scam going on but anyway uh, (laughs) at least they're not tacking on $40 a cigar box you know right and we also won on the first amendment for being able to have the artwork on cigar boxes and cigar bands absolutely you know I, I have friends that are in Canada and they have already gone to you know the white boxes like plain packaging yeah right well and it's funny because they either do the white plane packaging or they put awful pictures of like deformed babies on the cover That's of right, the box. Yeah. And it's like, really? Come on. Yeah. I don't know any men yeah. that are pregnant, first of all, but no. <laughs> but no, I I appreciate what you've done for the industry and I love the story of how you caught the passion and ran with it. And so, like, what are you working on now? Uh, let's see. So, so right now, with respect to um, our events in the city, we're we're sort of in a rebuild phase, to be honest. Because with with COVID, the last you know, we didn't do an event for about a year and a half in the city, and um, yeah, actually, almost exactly a year and a half. And a lot of the people that went to our events left the city. Like permanently, they just, you know, when everything started happening, they were like, no, nope. so they just they, left the they, city. Oh, yeah. There was a huge exodus really? of professionals from New York City. Absolutely. I mean, you had the pandemic, you had all the restaurants closing, you had the, the, the you know, the riots and protesting, um, you know, which made it kind of unlivable with kids, especially. Um, so a lot of people left. So when we started back up, uh, you know, I had lots of emails back to me saying, hey, man, I I love what you're doing, but I live in Colorado. And wow. so, like, best of luck. And and then you have the vaccine mandates. And, you know, there's people that that just fundamentally don't they they've chosen not to do that. And now, how so, is the vaccine mandate affecting New Yorkers? I mean, there's no mandate for just New Yorkers, right? So the, the way that the, the mandate works, at least as far as I understand it, um, is you have to have a, a they call it the vaccine passport, essentially. So you, it's, it's a card. It's a piece of paper that says I've been vaccinated and you can't go into a venue unless you show that piece of paper. Wow. And so anyone who's not vaccinated is essentially banned from public life in the sense of, you know, no restaurants, et cetera. So all the events that we do inside, you know, they're really serious about it because the city will penalize the 
they'll, they'll take your liquor license away, you know, as a, as a restaurant, if you, if, you know, they send people in to check people's cards and people don't have cards like that's a, it's a massive no problem. Kidding. So they um, actually send people in to check and see if they have cards. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. The city has all sorts of ways that it tries to enforce this type of stuff. And um, I mean, I, I heard about one restaurant It's actually a group of restaurants that the, the, like the paranoia among business owners in the city. And it's ju- I think justified paranoia. Like this guy owned like eight restaurants and was not vaccinated. He decided he's just, that's just not for him. Not going to do it. And he has not been in any of his restaurants Wow. Since the mandate, like he'll, <laughs> he'll talk to his people outside. He'll do phone calls and zoom meetings, but he doesn't actually even go in because, because he's that concerned because, you know, you get a couple of strikes and the, the penalties are, are really crippling. So, and we, we had a cigar event um, a couple of months ago and the, amba- the cigar ambassador showed up, didn't realize that, you know, he needed a, vaccine that he wasn't vaccinated and the event the the um uh, he sent me a message and was like hey man do i need to be vaccinated and i was like dude i kind of told you like you do and so he wasn't allowed in he basically dropped the product off and said have a good event i'm sure it'll be great and he kind of just went on to his next he traveled out of state to his next kind of place and so yeah it's very serious and it does affect it affects the attendance at the events and and the sort of community at large. So wow, so we're kind of something. Re- yeah. What was that? I said that is something. I mean, and forgive me, but being in Texas, we don't know anything about that type of living. <laughs> right, dude. It's 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 crazy, man. I mean, you know, it, it's different in Texas. I mean, I I went home to Portland uh, to see my family about a month ago, and. You know the the more progressive liberal cities, uh, the 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 enforcement of some of these things is, you know, it's it tends to be kind of erratic. But man, I, I went to a cigar bar in Portland, and I was with my brothers, and I had my mask on. I walked in. The uh, bartender walked us to a table. I sat down at the table. I took my mask off because every other restaurant I've been to in New York or Connecticut, it's like, once you're seated, you can take your mask off. So I take my mask off and she comes back from the bar to tell me until you have a drink in your hand, put your mask on. (laughs) And so, so I put my mask on and now I'm sitting there with a cigar that I can't, you know, I'm not going to put it through my mask and start smoking. So she comes back over and she says, Oh, you have a cigar. Go ahead and take the mask off and light up. And it was just like, it was wow. like, okay, so I'll, I'll smoke this, like, you know, carcinogenic thing, you know, that's probably on some level a little bit bad for me, but that's fine. But, and you can do that without a mask, but don't sit there without a mask because that's right. dangerous, you know? Well, <laughs> so. and, you know, I, I, the mask to me, and if you like wearing a mask, knock yourself out. But for me, it's, it's really nothing more than a, a lucky charm. You know what I mean? You wear that because you think it's going to ward off whatever evil is going to try to attack you. And if that's how you feel, knock yourself out. But can we be done with the mask already? I mean, yeah, 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 man. I I, I get it. I I don't claim to be a medical expert and I I try to be respectful of, you know, any public place that requests a mask. I'll, I'll wear it. And oh, I I, I do as well. I mean, all that stuff. I'm not an asshole. Some of the time, 
Sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But, but yeah, I think, I think it's, I think most people can agree. Most people can agree that, that there are at least some times where it's heavy handed in a way that, that is difficult to comprehend uh, having any relation to any type of, you know, serious medical discussion or right. anything. So I, 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 didn't, um, I didn't go to med school, but <laughs> I do have some common sense. But anyway, right. I don't want right, to, I don't right. want to make this a, a, ma- a mask bashing sure, sure, segment. Yeah. So, but so now that you're up and running after the pandemic, so are the, are the get togethers quite a bit smaller and you're, you're rebuilding yeah, that's I I mean they're they're not they're not that much smaller. I mean the last event we had was was uh totally packed and that's that's great. Uh we also we're also doing virtual events as well where we, you know, ship boxes out to people to um to pair, you know, whiskeys and cigars and stuff. Those have been really successful. Uh, but yeah, it's it's generally kind of a rebuilding phase and then and then outside of that, outside of the photography that I'm working on, um uh I I've been writing about uh kind of the the trend of like micro batch cigars which has kind of taken the cigar world by storm over the last couple of years and and specifically some of the branding practices that i've seen that that i'm not a big fan of just because you know as a new york city cigar smoker like i'm aware that politicians will use any excuse at all to you know, place really heavy handed restrictions on cigar smoking that are super hard to reverse. And so, um, so it's something that I'm, I'm sensitive about. And, and when I see it, uh, I've seen it enough that I finally just had to, so, to write something about it. So, so I, let me, I, let me, I wrote an article about it, but yeah. And, and breaking down what you just said, I think what you're saying is because some cigar marketing groups are using marketing tactics that could be seen as targeting the youth. Right. And so, I mean, I'll throw it out there. Let's talk about Drew Estate for a moment. Flashy, silvery bands with cute names. You know, I mean, I think that's a problem. And, I mean, I don't smoke in few cigars. If you do, I don't have a problem with that. I say smoke what you like. But the fact that... A juicy blue sounds like something I would have probably tried when I was in ninth grade. I understand there's an issue with that type of marketing. Right. Yeah. I think, I think Drew Estate generally has done a pretty decent job of kind of walking that super fine line because Drew Estate's brand is, and and I'm not a historian, but it seems like it's always been kind of brash and sort of in your face. Right. And right. so I think there's, there's naturally maybe a danger there that, that has to be balanced. And, you know, they are owned by a very large company that probably has a huge legal team that, that, you know, oversees all of this. So I'm, I'm not really that concerned about Drew Estate. It's, it's more. So give me me an example. Sure. I mean, so, uh, so Ezra Zion, for instance, you know, they've been doing the kind of micro micro batch thing for, for a while. And what kind of pushed me over the edge with, with the whole thing. And there's other brands doing it as well, but. You know, seeing a pack of cigars that's packaged as a chocolate bar, for instance, for me, it's just a non-starter, right? Because so much of, of the legal battles that have recently been fought in the last 10 or 20 years um, have been around, like, don't make some, don't make a tobacco product look like another sort of consumable good that kids would want to get their hands on. And like, 
marketing something chocolate bar, something like that. Like it just, for me, I just think of, or, you know, Pravada Cigar Club with Cookie Monster, right? Like, you know, it's sort of undergone like a brand uh, uh, evolution over the last couple of months. But, you know, if you Google Cookie Monster Cigar, it's everywhere, right? I mean, there's still companies selling it as the Cookie Monster. So I just imagine, knowing what I know about politics and how it works, like, I imagine a congressional uh, staffer or a, a, an assistant at the FDA, et cetera, finding this and saying, here it is. Like, this is the evidence that we need to show that these tobacco companies are are trying to lure in young smokers or get people hooked early, et cetera, which, you know, obviously a kid is not going to buy a, a $10 cigar or a $50 five pack. It's, it's not a realistic but if concern, you're using really. Cookie Monster, you, I mean, you're targeting kids. I mean, yeah. whether whether you yeah. want to think that you are or not, I agree 100%. I, I didn't even know the Cookie Monster cigar thing. I, I've never heard of that. So yeah. that I think that's definitely crossing the line, and I think it's ridiculous. Now, I will say that uh, I don't know how familiar you are with, like, Robert Caldwell's Lost and Found series. The one night bit, stand, yeah. the swollen cock. Like, I don't have a problem with any of those. And if you haven't smoked the swollen cock, I highly recommend it. <laughs> I'll I'll take it under consideration. It's uh, it sounds it sounds like a gutsy move, but it, it is. But and if I'm you're going to recommend it, I'll I'll take a look. I'm a fan of the Caldwell line, and the Lost and Found is no exception. Uh. And I don't know if you know about the lost and found, but he's not blending these cigars. He goes around to these factories and finds these amazing cigars that somehow just got pushed to the side. So they've just been sitting there and he does some cool marketing with it. And it's 100% goes to charity. So it's not even making him money. That's cool. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm not as familiar. I mean, I'm, I'm not opposed to micro batches at all. Like I think that in, in some sense, you know, um, I, I think that there is a sense in which that is uh, in some way the future, right? Like that it's, it's not like cigars is the only industry where this type of like hyper uh, personalized, hyper relevant sort of meme kind of cigar or, or meme product. Like that's, that's everywhere right now. Right. And so it's, it's, it, it, you can't just point at what it's, what's happening with cigars and say, Oh, it's sort of this anomaly fad that's going to go away. I think it's probably here to stay. My issue is just when, when the meme, uh, which is, is, you know, it's, it's a sort, sort of the most effective cheap marketing, right? Like when that border border lines into popular culture with children's characters and things like that. It's just, for me, it's like, it's just full stop. It's like, there's, there are so many good branding ideas out there. You don't need to go there. Like you can easily go one of a thousand different directions and still sell the product. You don't have to go there. So that's, that, that's my only, that's really my only gripe. I don't look, I I don't tend to think that most of the micro batch cigars are really that good. I think for the most part, people are buying the band, right? They're buying the cool, the cool band or the cool marketing behind it. And 
I don't have time to smoke that product because I really want to smoke the best and I don't tend to consider it as the best. Um, well, but- and, and that's, and that's a great point. Like the whole Robert Caldwell line of the lost and found, they're all unbanded. There is no band on the cigar. Was that right? And in huh. fact, I'm going to show you the packaging and I just want to get your take on it and see what you think. Okay. And here is, here you go. Can you see that? Almost. Okay. okay. Yeah. So yeah, when you take it out of the package, there's zero bands. It's just oh. a, I, I prefer the Solomon Vitola that they came out with, but you know, okay. if you don't have any idea what you're smoking once you take it out of that little package. Right. Yeah. And you know, I think maybe band or, or packaging could be used interchangeably. Like, I think that what you're describing with Caldwell, like that sounds, that sounds like a product that probably has some integrity to me in the sense that he's actually sourcing something that he believes in. And he already has a track record of making great product. Right. right so right. there's, there's trustworthiness there. I think it's with the, with, and there's, there's so many companies doing it at this point, it's hard to even kind of keep track, but a lot of this, even the smaller retailers are kind of doing these micro batches and those they're just not interesting to me because um you know i've smoked some of them and and i come i come away thinking yeah that was all right yeah i that agree was with fine, you you know and i think you're right because you know as the fad of micro blends come about you start getting guys that have zero experience in the cigar industry going, well, I could do that. I could do that. I mean, yeah. I can call down to Nicaragua and have them send me 500 cigars right now, and I'll package them as a micro blend. And if I can come up with a cool advertising right. slogan, we'll make money. Right. So, yeah, I, I'm yeah. 100% behind what you're saying there, and I agree 100%. So with your events, I noticed also that, not only do you have events, you also, within the New York City Club, you also teach, like, people how to smoke cigars. And, I mean, that's a very important step because I think a lot of shops across the country just assume that everybody who comes in knows how to smoke a cigar. And that's just not true. I know I didn't know how to <laughs> smoke a cigar good. for two years. I thought I did. But I had a grouchy old guy that owned the cigar shop one day see the clipping of me cutting my cigar. And he's like, who the hell cut this cigar? And I was like, uh, that was me. <laughs> and he was like, well, you don't know what you're doing. Let me show you. And so I think that is a very valuable asset that you're willing to take the time to teach people how to smoke cigars properly. Yeah. And that's honestly, in my experience, that's that's where most of the new cigar like i mean a lot of our events um we we get people who've never smoked cigars before they're coming with a friend who smokes cigars and they show up and sometimes they're a little nervous they kind of don't know what to expect and even with five minutes of education i mean sometimes it's education to a group but other times it's just me sitting with someone kind of introducing it to them it's really general that's all it takes to convert someone from yeah this is kind of cool to now I see them at every event after that because they, they, you know, 
cigars, I think, are, are kind of mysterious to a lot of people. It sort of doesn't make sense. It's just smoke in your mouth. How could that possibly taste different if it's, a, it's just smoke, et cetera, et cetera? Um, and a lot of people don't know not to inhale, for instance. They don't even know how to not inhale, right? And I, sometimes you actually have to teach that as well. Especially and if so, you're teaching a cigarette smoker that's smoking cigars for the first time. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it is. The education stuff is very, it's, it's important. And, you know, I'm not a trained, you know, tobacconist or a sommelier or anything like that, which is its own controversy as well. Um, but I've spent enough time educating myself and writing about cigars and, and teaching to know what the important things are for someone to learn. And um, so, so, yeah, that, that is one of the things that I've always wondered with a lot of retail shops is why they don't have sort of a regularly scheduled cigar 101 because they're so popular. Like whenever we put one up, like we do cigar 101s, those are sold out instantly because people want an hour or two hours to just talk about what are all the little tips and tricks? What is retrohaling? What is purging a cigar? How does that benefit the flavor? How does it benefit the construction? How do you properly light a cigar? So, like probably a quarter of people I see light cigars only partially light it. Oh, it and then it, me and crazy. then it canoes and then they say this cigar has shitty construction. And it's like, no, dude, you don't know how to light your cigar. I preach that so much. The toasting of the foot and then making sure that your entire foot is on fire. Right. If you don't get that going, then you're not going to have a good experience. Or at least you have a, a high average of not having a good experience that's right that's right and so i i love that you teach because as you know the first time a new cigar smoker comes into a lounge he's very intimidated or at least i was and so if i would have taken a class and someone taught me i would have walked into a cigar lounge with confidence that i know what i'm doing and maybe right. I don't know everything because I don't f- remember everything from the class, but it at least gives me the confidence to go into a cigar lounge because I think a big reason that a lot of people don't stick around and smoke is because they're not confident in their knowledge of how to smoke. I, I, I was just about to say the same thing. Like if you, you know, if you're a retailer and you're thinking strategically, right? Like there's, there's customer acquisition, and then there's customer retention, right? And so your acquisition as a retailer is very often word of mouth, right? Someone brings a friend, they have a party, whatever it is. And so fine, you've acquired a customer. They bought a cigar, right? But they're nervous as hell. Maybe they have a bad experience because they don't know what they're doing, right? Because their friend doesn't know to, to even show them. Their friend might not be educated either. And so they don't come back because they say, okay, that was fun. I enjoyed it. But am I going to go by myself now? Like maybe I want to go back, but I I don't know what I'm doing, et cetera. And so cigar 101 education or even something as simple as, you know, having on your on your coasters, you know, on your coaster, having a QR code that pulls up a YouTube video of like five minutes. Here's how to like, you know what I mean? Like that. Maybe that's a great idea. idea. I don't really know. But. I thought but you went something. to college for political philosophy, philosophy. not yeah. marketing. That's a great idea. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, I mean, yeah, that's that's sort of a yeah, it's a, it's a separate topic. But political philosophy is actually uh, it very much informs. It's it, it can be very informative of marketing, right? Because political philosophy, a, a major segment of that is we don't have to go down the rabbit hole, but a major a major field of that study is human nature, right? And so you study that and come to some conclusions. Then your marketing is going to be based on those understandings of human nature, right? Right. For instance. People don't like to be lied to. And so a lot of marketers think, well, I'll embellish this or I'll lie about this or that. And at the end of the day, if you're truthful and you have integrity, that's a better long-term strategy from a marketing standpoint to retain your customers. So a little like random tie in there. but No, I I agree 100%. And I think that fits so well into the cigar community as a whole. Yeah, it does. Yeah, especially with... A lot of cigar companies that aren't uh, necessarily strictly speaking, <laughs> strictly speaking, honest about, you know, where their tobaccos come from or how long they're aged, et cetera. I mean, I'm not not going to give any examples there, but it's definitely something that happens. Yeah, we're we're well, we're very well aware of some of the marketing tactics that some cigar companies have, you know, they take some old cigars and they rewrap them in some new wrappers and sell it to us as a limited edition. So I'm sure you know that story, so we're not going to go into that rabbit hole, but yeah, exactly. I mean, and, you know, it's one of the things here at Cigar Talk that we pride ourselves on is that we don't allow cigar companies to reach out to us and become sponsors. We find great cigars. We find out about the company, and once we find out that they're legit, then we go beg them to be yep. our sponsor because I don't have to pretend that I love something. I want to love right. your whole company. And so right. that's, and we learned that lesson the hard way. <laughs> we took on a sponsor that was absolutely horrible and they sent us eight boxes of the worst cigars. Oh, ever no. smoked. That's the worst, man. I mean, I, I, you know, reviewing cigars at the beginning when I started that website, I very quickly learned that reviewing can actually be kind of kind of a chore because, you know, a, a company reaches out and says, hey, we have five blends, three sizes each. We want you to smoke them. And you smoke the first one and it's awful. And it's like, <laughs> oh, shit, right. I said I was going to review this. And then you do review it. And a lot of times, I'll, you know, I'll actually reach out to them and say, look, if we publish this. We're going to be publishing, here's the review, you know, uh, and, and sometimes I'll give them the option. I'll say, look, if you don't want us to publish it, we won't. But, uh, but yeah, it, it's, it's, it's much better to work with the companies that you're excited about working with and believe in than uh, just doing the churn and burn model of just going, to, going with anyone who will give you money because uh, it sucks to smoke. I mean, you probably know this, right? Like, we probably both have a lot of cigars. You know, I don't know what the, I don't know what your number is. Like my number would take me for many years into the future. And now I got to so, ask you though, how many cigars do you smoke a day? Uh, on, I mean, on average, if, if you average it out mathematically, probably 0. 0.8. I mean, I, I don't, I, I don't smoke every day. Did you say um, point sometimes? Eight? Yeah, right. Okay. Like less than I, one per day. I thought you said eight. 
Because oh. <laughs> that's how many no. I smoke a day on average is eight. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Hey, man, look, I probably wouldn't have the wife that I have if I smoked eight a day. She probably would have been like, yeah, that's a little too intense for my, my, you know, my, my liking. But, uh, well, the know, difference um, is I don't, I don't drive a brand new truck. I smoke eight cigars a day. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's right. That, dude, priorities, man. You got to prioritize. That's but, right. But, but the point, point being like at a certain point, um, when, when you have a lot of cigars, you get way more selective about what you smoke. Oh, absolutely. You, you begin to realize that you only have a certain amount of time. And so lighting up a cigar that's really no good or is, is not very interesting, it, it ends up, you know, if you don't have a lot of cigars, you'll kind of be like, all right, like I'll put myself through that, right? Okay, fine. Like it's like buying a nice meal. You finish the meal because you're there, right? But at a certain point, it's like, I'll light up a cigar. I always have two others sitting with me. So if I really am just not feeling it, even if it's a great product, if it's just not the right day or the time where I eat something that's not working with it or whatever, I'll just set it down and light something else up. You know, yeah, I do so, the same. I, 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 I classify myself as a mood smoker. And yeah. so it really depends on my mood, what time of day. And when you're smoking eight a day, I mean, I usually light up my third cigar by 11 a.m. And so I have a set set of cigars that I love smoking at seven and eight a.m. And then it progresses throughout the day on my mood. So I know what cigars I love with my coffee first thing in the morning. And then I know what I like to gradually have different blends throughout the day. And so... I will never have as many cigars as you have because I'm going through them a lot faster. So, oh, hey, fair enough, man. Volume. Yeah. I get it. I mean, I it. I, it, it, when you smoke eight a day, it's a constant battle of keeping your humidor full. And I have three humidors. So between the three of them, there's room for about 700. And it's a constant battle trying to fill them up. You know what? That sounds like a that sounds like a a, a good battle to have in life. It's you know a fun I mean? battle. It's a fun battle. That's a good battle. I yeah. like it. So, well, hey man, thank you so much for taking the time and coming on the show. Tell everybody where they can find you at on social media. Uh, you're a photographer. You do great photos. Tell us about where our listeners can find you at. Yeah. So uh, on Instagram, it's just Matthias Clock. So that's just my name. So just search Matthias Clock on Instagram. I'll be there. Um, and I, I encourage anyone, if, if we, you know, if we talked about anything that's interesting, just DM me. I'm, I'm always chatting it up with people. Um, and then if you're interested in the cigar events, just Google Find Tobacco NYC, or you can Google cigar events in New York City, whatever. It'll pop up there. And uh, you can check the website out and get on the mailing list. I'd love to I'd love to see you at any of these events and, you know, make some new friends. I would love to come to some of your events because I've read about You're always events welcome. and it sounds amazing. I mean, one of the events that I was reading about, of course, you got a cigar, but you also got drinks and there was also live jazz music. Oh, yeah. I mean, that is like the ultimate smoking environment right there. 
yeah and shout out to carnegie club man uh because they we've we've been doing events for almost 10 years with them and they hire a live jazz band every time um they're great to work with and and you're right it is it really is kind of the the ultimate experience where you can listen to the music you can talk to the person next to you you can hang out with your friends um if, if you're ever in the city i, I do have an event on december 9th we're going to be celebrating frank sinatra's I think 113th birthday. I, mean, I might be off because of COVID and everything, but we'll be celebrating his birthday and we're going to be smoking the uh, Placencia Alma Fuerte. Uh, so shout out to them for Great sponsoring cigar. the event. Great cigar. But yeah, it's fantastic cigar. Yeah, that's that's one of the really cool things about what's happened over the years is the type of, the, the caliber of product that we're able to bring to our our attendees has just increased and increased and increased. So we get to smoke just great stuff. Well, um, and I, that's a, that's a blessing. Before we go, I got to tell you two cigars. You got to try. These are my sure. two must try cigars for you. The first one is, I don't even know if you've ever heard of McAuliffe cigars. Dude, I'm a freaking huge fan, man. Oh, I'll, let's talk McAuliffe right now. All right. So oh, yeah. have you had the medallion? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, oh. and the limited edition, the little like yeah. tea Corona. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's an amazing cigar. Isn't it, I Woo. see. Thank you. You validate what so I tell good. people every week. The medallion is my go-to. I probably smoke fantastic forty of those a month, and I just love that blend. And the thing about it is, is the quality of the construction just like perfect every time. Yeah, that that company, just broadly speaking, um, and I've said this on social a bunch, but, um, you know, I smoke a lot of boutique stuff and there's great stuff out there. But McAuliffe, for me, it just stands like the quality, the level of the quality and consistency is it's off the charts. So I'm glad you mentioned that. It is so far above a lot of the other boutiques that we know of. Like yep. you would think they've been in business for like 30 years. Absolutely. And so that's one yeah. and you've already had it. So you don't need that one. But the other one is Tabanero cigars out of Ebor city. That I haven't had Tabanero. Tabanero. Very, very boutique. Uh, the owner's name is Yonko and dude, if you want to try a cigar that's going to knock your socks off and talk about quality construction, spot on every time. In fact, I just put out a Tabanero, but the uh, the Habano, and I prefer the Robusto, but the Toro is also amazing. But if you haven't tried Tabanero, I also highly recommend. The guy is so focused on creating an experience for his smokers. And to me, that says so much. I'll give you the same recommendation that I give pretty much anyone that I know has been smoking for a long time. Um, and that's another uh, little known brand out of Florida. I don't know where in Florida, but they're called more and Bode. Okay. I have not and heard of them. Yeah. They, they, um, they make some of the strangest cigars. I mean, they, they use a lot of, um, a lot of international tobaccos from like Indonesia and they also specialize in fire cured American tobacco. So, Oh, um, no kidding. I've never heard of that. Oh yeah, man. So, so the, uh, the American fire 
uh, in like Corona or even Toro. Fantastic. And then they have a Candela, which I don't smoke a lot of Candela. It's just kind of not my, it's not most people's thing, but it's not my thing. they have a Candela and it uses, I think the binder is uh, fire cured and it is, it's, it's one of those very kind of paradoxical cigars because it's the, the body of the smoke is extremely mild and light, but the, the impact of the flavor and the, the complexity is off the charts. So uh, especially for like a morning or late morning, the Candela is unbelievable. I recommend it to everyone. And, you know, not everyone likes it, but everyone always tells me that it's a, completely different experience that they've you know and they've been making cigars since the 90s they've just kind of never taken off so more and bode more and google bode. them check them out okay yeah. i definitely will i love finding these small boutiques and i just happened to run across tabanero like that and it was like wow nobody knows about these guys you know right. what i mean right so yeah well, hey, man, thanks so much again for coming on. And the only advice I have for you is you need to change your Instagram name to Mr. Clock. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll see if it's already taken. If yeah. it's not, I might, I might take you up on that. All right, man. It's well, been fun, Rob. Hey, one last question. Where are you smoking at today? Thank you for asking. I am at uh, Big Buddha Cigar Lounge. Uh, just above Danbury in Connecticut. And they are, so they've been just really great about anytime I have an interview or something else, they give me one of the rooms. They have three rooms, three large rooms here. And they also have a, uh, a humidor, which is just behind the camera. That's all super aged stuff from like the 2000s, basically. It's a, it's wow. a phenomenal product. They have a lot of really old avos that I love. Um, so it's it's pretty much my happy place. Very nice. And just so you know, I'm going to post for you guys watching the YouTube channel. I'm going to post Mr. Clock's LinkedIn photo right here so you can see. I didn't recognize you being all casual because your LinkedIn photo, I thought that you were like, you know. <laughs> Classy and sophisticated. Yeah, that's that's only when I'm getting a picture taken. Hey, well, you look great. I'm going to post it there because you do look. You know what? That picture right there on your LinkedIn is like Mr. Class. So you've done a, <laughs> hey, Thanks, you've, you've done a hell of a yeah. job. Thank you for all that you do for the community and just keep doing what you're doing. And if you ever need anything from Cigar Talk, feel free to reach out anytime. We'll be here for you, brother. Sounds good, man. Thanks a lot, Rob. Hey, thank you, brother recording stopped all right that's it man i thought it went very well yeah man that was fun you're you've clearly been doing this for a while because you're good at it well i appreciate that i have been doing it for december the 15th will be three years and my wife gave me the best advice i ever got about three months in she listened to the episode and said would you shut up and let them talk <laughs> so yeah i would I get it. I would get. I, I know my wife would give me the same, the same, uh, the same feedback because I like to hear myself talk. So yeah, I get it. You know. But. So and, and I'm a big talker. So I have to like. All right, let them go. Let them go. And plus, you know, I miss out if I do all the talking. So that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, man. Well, that's good. It's a good skill to learn, and it, and uh, it's clear that you've developed it. So oh, I appreciate it. Keep uh, it up. 
Hey, for real, if you ever need something from us or you're going to promote something, feel free to reach out. We have uh, 30% of our listeners are in New York. Oh, cool. That's awesome. Yeah, man. I mean, uh, I, 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 nothing comes to mind off the top of my head, but um, certainly... Well, if you're ever with, having you know, a special this, event or a charity event or something like that, we'd love to just, you know, for free, of course, just promote you and let people know what you're doing. We'd love to get on board with anybody who's working for some charity stuff. Yeah, man, that sounds good. Well, uh, yeah, I'll gladly let you know. And um, and yeah, if you ever want to have me back on to talk about anything Absolutely. or talk to other guests or whatever, I'm happy to come Absolutely. on and chat. And uh all right, man. Well, hey, I'll let you go. Have a great weekend, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, man.